Veterans Path, helping veterans find peace, acceptance, transformation, and honor through practical tools like meditation and mindfulness, physical and outdoor experiences, and a community of camaraderie. I'm John McCaskill, a Navy SEAL commander turned mindfulness teacher. Here on the Veterans Path podcast, I interview veterans, athletes, corporate leaders, and many others who found peace through the practices of meditation and mindfulness, breaking down the stigma of pursuing mental health and making it a priority, improving and saving lives. My guest today is a very good friend of mine, Kayla Aristivo. Kayla is the founder and president of the Equine Therapy Veteran Service Organization, Trails of Purpose, here in Chesapeake and Virginia Beach, and with whom we are very excited to announce Veterans Path recently partnered. She is currently in her final semester of her master's degree program at Liberty University in pursuit of becoming a licensed professional counselor in the state of Virginia. Kayla graduated with a bachelor's degree in psychology from Nyack College in New York City. Kayla is also a certified equine specialist in mental health and learning with the Professional Association of Therapeutic Horsemanship International, or PATH. Kayla lost her father in the terrorist attacks on 9-11. He worked in the North Twin Tower of Cantor Fitzgerald. Since that day, Kayla has been passionate about justice and fighting for those impacted by trauma and terrorism. Through a series of divine interventions, Kayla had become involved in the, in the field of equine therapy as a volunteer in different PATH International Centers. These experiences opened her eyes to the healing powers of the partnerships between humans and horses. In March of last year, it was laid heavily on the hearts of Kayla and her husband, Kyle, to start a nonprofit serving our nation's military veterans. The organization began full operation in serving veterans, their families, and their families in September 2019. In the fall season alone, Trails of Purpose has teamed with over 20 volunteers, 60 veterans, and five fellow, fellow veterans organizations. In 2020, they're launching an additional location in Virginia Beach, and we will be working with them to do combined Trails of Purpose and veteran path, Veterans Path Retreat. We also got a bunch of very exciting announcements toward the end of the show, so make sure you hang around for that and to learn a lot more about Kayla and her background and what brought her to the start the Trails of Purpose organization. That's all here on Veterans Path Podcast. Welcome to the show, Kayla. Hi, John. Thanks for having me. Yeah, how have you been? Um, busy, but that's just coming off the tail end of the holidays. So I guess everybody's kind of getting back into the swing of things. Sure. Um, and just gearing up for the 2020 season, which is exciting. So all awesome. in all really good though. Mm -hmm. that's, that's great to hear. It's great to have you with us. And I'm, I'm excited to share a little bit about the partnership between Trails of Purpose and Veterans Path and, and where we're going. But before we get into that, and before we get into any questions, what I'm doing is I'm starting every show by letting our listeners know what we do at Veterans Path and, and then why we're doing this podcast, not this particular episode, but just the podcast in general. In Veterans Path, right. uh, we introduce veterans to meditation and mindfulness, typically in outdoor settings, so that they can rediscover a sense of peace, acceptance, transformation, and honor. And that's where the word path in our name comes from. And the point of this podcast is to make people more aware of what we do to increase support of and attendance at our retreats while simultaneously reducing the stigma around seeking mental health support. Listeners can directly support Veterans Path by clicking on the support button on the podcast or by visiting veteranspath.org forward slash donate. 
So with that all said, we'll get into the questions. For our audience, I started the show with a brief bio, which, which you did hear, and, and we'll get into this in more detail through the show. But can you tell us a little more about you, uh, what you're doing now, where you're living, what you do for fun, just a little bit more about Kayla? Sure. Yeah. Um, you gave me a heck of an intro. It makes me sound, uh, I think you talked me up a little bit, but, uh, <laughs> well, I know, you I know, know I'll true. try to live up to, <laughs> now it is. Um, so I'm living right now in Chesapeake, Virginia. Uh, never thought I would come down here. Um, you know, my husband and I, we like it, but it was just kind of a random placement. Um, my husband is, uh, in the Navy and so, kind of came down here on uh, active orders a few years ago. And, you know, we didn't mind it. So we stuck around. Um, so we're originally from New York, as you kind of touched upon with my background. Um, and so Chesapeake is where we're staying right now. We just kind of, um, the animals <laughs> take up most of our time. Um, in our personal possession, we have three horses. You could say maybe two and a half, two full and one mini, but uh, <laughs> horses, a couple pigs, a couple dogs, you know, and then we have a, you know, one and a half year old daughter and another one on the way. So we've got our hands full every day, um, but it's fun for us, you know, getting up in the morning before work at, you know, 5 a.m. to do barn chores is it's fun. And, you know, my husband and I, Kyle, we get to chat about our days before they even start in the dark outside in the cold. Um, but we really enjoy it. So everyday life is fun, but it's kind of just uh, hectic, but that keeps us on our toes and that's something that we like. Yeah. And, and you mentioned getting up early before work and doing all that, but it's not just before work. You're also doing that on the weekends, holidays. There's no days off there. Right? <laughs> no, uh, horses, animals need to eat every day. Um, <laughs> so no, there's no break. Uh, we don't have, um, kind of help right now aside from amazing volunteers that come around a few days here and there to kind of give us some time off which has just been great but uh yeah it's about an hour or so in the morning an hour in the evening uh but again we enjoy it and we we tag team it so it's kind of fun and it's great to watch her 18 month old now she's running around and she brings the pigs their feed and you know she's picking up stuff with the hose so it's just so funny to see her taking that in and it kind of becomes like a you know a daily routine for the whole family but it is fun so oh, that's great I mean it's a it is for the whole family and it kind of keeps you guys grounded and keeps you guys together and, and then it you because you are doing something together maybe you chat about the day and and really stay connected in a in a different way rather than just coming home from work uh, or rather starting the day off by waking up just before heading out the door going to work being all stressed coming home, you know, sitting down on the sofa right. and watching TV. I mean, you guys have an opportunity to connect both before and after work. So, I mean, I think that's yeah. great. So, uh, I, I know you're going to hate that I'm going to tell this story because I tell it all the time to, to friends and family uh, when I discuss how, <laughs> how I met you. But um, So, Kayla and I, we, we met back in the fall uh, at, a, at a service academy breakfast uh, here locally. Uh, Kayla's husband, Kyle, is a Merchant Marine um, Academy grad, and, and the meeting was a way for local service academy grads to, to kind of, uh, I don't know, drum up some extra work for their respective businesses. And, you know, we have breakfast, and then each individual stands up and says a little thing about who they are, you know, what year they graduated from Academy X, Y, or Z, 
and then what business they're doing now. Um, and, and in all honesty, the, the meeting is mostly middle-aged to more seasoned-aged men, except for Kayla. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kayla is one of the last people to speak. And, and let me tell you, like all these guys, they stand up and nothing against them. They've got great businesses. They've got great backgrounds, but they stand up and they kind of run through that rigmarole of what it is they do. And it's not a, it's not a whole lot of excitement. Um, and then, and then Kayla jumps up at the end and, and let me tell you, so she's, she's kind of petite, but she is not weak, (laughs) not, not at all. I mean, she stood up and owned that room. And she told us all about Trails of Purpose. And, and back then in Chesapeake, or sorry, back then in the fall, they had the Chesapeake location and they were looking to grow. They hadn't found their next location in Virginia Beach yet. And they were trying to raise funds to, to kind of grow their, their uh, services. Anyway, uh, it was short, the, the presentation, but it was super impressive. And, and I knew that right then, somehow, we needed to get Veterans Path and Trails of Purpose united. So... So here we are, and I'm so excited to see what we are able to do for our local veterans and active duty as we as we partner together, because we are going to be branching out and serving some of our active duty members. So, mm-hmm. sorry, I had to I had to tell that story. I, I want to get <laughs> a lot deeper here in in a few seconds, but first I just want to stop and mm-hmm. put in a quick plug for our sponsors who help to support Veterans Path. Welcome back. I'm continuing my conversation with founder and president of the equine therapy nonprofit Trails of Purpose. To really uh, set the stage, I'm, I'm going to jump right in here to what is probably a, a pretty difficult topic for you, but you've said that it helped to make you passionate about justice and fighting for those impacted by trauma and terrorism. Uh, and I covered it in the bio, but losing your father on 9-11, how, how old were you then? Yeah, so that was 2001, and I was eight years old. So eight years old. Um, how exactly did those events of that day unfold for you and for your family? So um, at eight years old, you're in pretty concrete thinking. Um, it, it's very black and white. And so you have the capability um, to understand that death is permanent, um, but you kind of have to remind yourself every day that that person's not coming back. Um, I think we can all have that at some point when we experience a loss, right? Like um, part of moving through and grieving is denial. And so um, for that day, although I somewhat understood, it was very shielded from me. Um, Nobody really told me what exactly was going on you know there was a fire at dad's work but I assumed it was a kitchen fire because they have windows of the world up top and there was a restaurant up there Um, and my dad would tell me that there was occasional kitchen fires that would set off the smoke detectors and the alarms in the building and so you know they're like oh well there was a, a fire at daddy's work and so to me that didn't seem like something like a big deal because what eight-year-old really knows of a big deal like that where your father's work burns to the ground um you know so it didn't seem like a big deal again it was shielded from me I have an older sister who was um about 11 12 at the time and so the although that's only three and a half or three years or so um developmentally there's a big difference there uh, and she understood someone actually had told her in school that day. And so um, 
it was just kind of a weird, confusing time. Nobody let me watch TV. Um, I didn't go to school for, uh, had to be a week or so, more than that. Mm -hmm. Um, Nobody let me listen to the radio in the car. It was like, I remember my aunt took me out to get my nails done and they asked the nail salon to turn off the radio and the TV. It's like, I remember thinking something weird is going on. That's that day on 9-11? Yeah, well, it was that day and the days very following, but you know, it was it was just weird for me. And so eventually, I found out there was more to the story. And then, you know, a month or so later, they tell me that it was this thing called terrorism. Mm-hmm. And you know, it just wasn't on my radar. You know, at eight years of old, terrorism. What is that? And I was so mad that somebody was telling me that somebody purposely did that. Um, but, you know, they had to kind of break it to me that way. But the actual day that it had happened or the days following, um, you know, somebody, a woman from my church, my mom couldn't bring herself to tell me, and understandably so. But a woman from our church had told us, um, told me, sat me down outside on the front porch and said, you know, there was an accident at your dad's work and um, we lost your father. <laughs> And I kind of paused, and I'll never forget. I looked back up at her, and I said, well, let's go find them. Oh, um, yeah. Because you just don't, there's not the concept of lost equals forever yeah. gone. It was sure. like missing. I lost something. Let's of go course. find it. So that's kind of day of for me. But if we apply that to how my life unfolded, um, it really had a ripple effect for a very long time because I didn't actually understand what happened. And as I grew up, the details of that day kept unfolding. I kept learning new things that I didn't know. So, um, you know, that's kind of a little bit about how that, that specific day in the immediate weeks um, kind of went down for me. And it was difficult with no closure. Um, you know, my father's on the 103rd floor, and so there, there wasn't a body. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there was not really any permanent fact to me and my little eight-year-old brain um, that my father was dead. He just went to work one day. He never came home. Jeez. Yeah. So once you're told you, you don't, you, you can't really even grasp that as an eight-year-old, you don't get the closure. You don't, you don't see your father after he goes to work one day, mm-hmm. he doesn't come home. Um, as you're getting a little bit older and you start to, you know, now you know what terrorism is, you understand what yeah. death is, uh, you understand, you know, the, a little a little bit more about the way of the world. Um, sure. at, what, at what point did you kind of decide that you wanted to do something that was serving those who were serving? Wow. Well, I guess it was kind of as my life unfolded, right? Um, You know, I, at a healthy level, when you lose, um, I'm an LPC, I'm I'm heading into my residency part here. um, So I have a a pretty good understanding of the way that our brains work psychologically. But as an adult, when you lose somebody, um, the mourning process happens in five stages. And you know, hopefully with healthy resilience and a support system, you can go through that um, six months to a year, really work through it. For me, my mourning happened over 11 years. Um, And that's because I was so young, so I didn't understand. So 
the story of me becoming passionate about helping our veterans is really an 11 year journey. Um, I just, I became very angry. Um, I had a huge distrust in humanity um, that this happened to my dad who had no interaction with the people who did this to him. Um, A distrust in our, our government as it, you know, how could I be protected in my own land? A distrust, just really struggling with anger and distrust. Um, and so kind of, you know, after 9-11, we watched a lot of men and women, um, you know this firsthand, go off to war, um, whether they signed up post 9-11 or re-enlisted or extended their, their activation, whatever it would be, they, they were severely impacted by 9-11. And so um, I kind of relate to them in the same capacity like we went on a journey together after 9-11 it looked very different uh but we both went on a journey in that sense and so I, I kind of relate in the sense of like I may not have looked the enemy in the eye but I'll never forget their faces um and I know what terrorism can do to a person what it can do uh to a family how it can change the trajectory of your life um and kind of the aftermath effects of that. So for me, I I felt really isolated as a kid, although I had tons of friends and family and support and I was in and out of therapy. Um, I felt like nobody really got me. Nobody understood what I went through. Um, I grew up on Long Island, which is outside the city and in Suffolk County. And there was very few people who died from Suffolk County on that day. Uh, a handful of them. And so I felt very targeted, you know, like that this happened to me. And so although I have friends and family and I have people who were so, so, so invested in my life, uh, they didn't really understand. And so I can imagine that our service members can feel the same way. Um, you know, I have people in my life. I have a, a wife or a husband and, and kids and a father and a mother and, you know, therapist or I have these resources that are available to me, but do they understand the feelings that I have? Because I have seen terrorism and I have seen war and I have seen the effects of it. Um, And I can imagine that they kind of had similar feelings to me. Again, I'm not going to sit here and say, I know what it's like to go activate with the military and go, you know, actually overseas and deploy. I don't, but I can relate in the sense of the impact of terrorism. So kind of seeing the life journey, the 11 year life journey that I went on, uh, and how that impacted me, I thought, oh my gosh, there's millions <laughs> of people out there that are probably struggling. Yeah. yeah. And and when you say, I mean, you, you didn't get to look the enemy in the eye. Uh, I mean, I, I think you get a much deeper sense of what terrorism is, even than those who have looked the enemy in the eye. I mean, you, you felt that impact, uh, I mean, starting at a very young age. You didn't even know what terrorism was, and you felt the impact. And then you learn. Uh, so I, okay. honestly, I, I think you you have experienced uh, a much greater impact in your life of what terrorism is than many of us who have even served. Many of us who have even uh, been there and seen the enemy look them in the eye. And I mean, we've lost friends and, and uh, brothers and sisters on the on the battlefield. But um, I think losing a family member. Uh, especially at such a young age where you're so uh, uh, able to be impacted by something like that and then not understanding it 
Uh, I think that's mm-hmm. I think that's tougher to deal with, honestly. So coming coming now to um, how you got into equine therapy. Uh, well, first off, can you explain to our, our listeners what equine therapy is and then how that is helpful for for our veterans? Yeah, of course. So uh, equine assisted therapies can look like a broad range of things, um, whether and they're applicable to all the way from uh, kids to um, geriatric age. And, and so it can be things like speech therapy assisted with equines. It can be physical therapy assisted with equines, hippotherapy, they call that. Um, it could be psychotherapy, equine-assisted psychotherapy. There can be equine-assisted learning, which has to do a ton with like um, social skills, team building, life coaching. So there's all different kind of, when you say equine therapies, it's kind of vague. Um, but a lot of people still don't understand um, equine therapy, although it's growing in popularity tremendously. There's a good amount of people that still don't understand it. So it, it's kind of um, like I've told people that I do uh, equine assisted psychotherapy because I do in my uh, LPC world. And they're like, oh, great. Wow. So you're a you're a psychotherapist for horses. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I, not I, quite, I, could see, you know? I could see that, you know, <laughs> just. Putting those two words together, if you really right. didn't know what it was, yeah. So anyway, it is. It's a it's a broad range of things. Um, and how is it impactful? I think that was your second part of the question. How is it impactful for veterans? Yeah, exactly. Um, so what we the kind of activities that we do at Trails of Purpose, we do not advertise as a um, a mental health facility. Although we have plans to do that in the next coming couple of years. Um, right now, we don't do that just for staff purposes, insurance, the whole nine. Um, but the type that we do is more equine-assisted learning, um, the type that has, like, for social skills, for team building, for trust building, um, mindfulness, like, you know, how we incorporate when you come around, grounding, stuff of that nature um, is what we do. And so how that's important is it's, it's multifaceted. but Part one is when you're working with a horse, you're outside. Um, so there's the nature aspect of it, which is tremendously healing. And, and obviously, you know all about that. And so that's what sure. is phenomenal is we have a lot of the similar beliefs um, between you know mindfulness and then being outdoors with a horse. Um, the other part of it is that you're working with a live animal. <laughs> That is much bigger than you and weighs <laughs> like, you know, eight to 10 times your amount. Um, so, you know, our veterans are pretty well versed in input output. I have machinery, I have my weapons, I have my schedule, I have my routines, I know what I need to do. I've been trained, I've gone through the whole night, I know the drill. But when you now put a completely different aspect into it, a living creature that's got its own brain, you know, we got to start thinking in a different sense. And so it helps tremendously with the social side. You've got a partner who is much larger than you. (laughs) So you need to immediately kind of humble yourself. You got to have patience. um, And you got to ask for somebody, something else to work with you. Um, and the cool part about horses is because they are completely prey animals, 
um, herbivores. And so over thousands of years of just kind of existing, they have become incredibly keen to their surroundings. I mean, they can feel vibrations in the ground that we have no clue about. Um, They feel it in the air. They they hear things, you know, their ears can go 180 degrees front and back. And so uh, their vision is, I forget exactly what it is, something like 100 times hours, right? And they have a, a much wider scope of vision. So these animals are so used to just at a moment's notice being on the run, prepared to just flee. Um, And so the other piece of it is that they're a herd animal. And so they exist in in the wild out in these herds of whether it ranges from five to hundreds. Um, and they're always looking out for each other and they communicate with each other very well non-verbally um, just by a look or a body language um, and they have certain horses that are just the watchmen you know when my horses are here and they're sleeping the one's always standing up really the, the other two will lay down oh yeah they take turns and so they can relate in that sense a ton to our military personnel in the sense of I'm always on alert I'm looking for the thing. I'm looking for the predator. I'm making sure that I'm I'm ready to run or to fight. Uh, you know, we operate in a team dynamic here. We've got a herd. So I'm going to be on the lookout. I've got your back. You've got my sticks. And we're always going to be able to kind of, you know, watch out for one another. No one is completely vulnerable at any time. I've always got one person standing guard. So it's very interesting um, just how these, how the military population and how horses naturally just have so many similarities, it just comes completely organically. Uh, so in terms of equine-assisted learning or equine-assisted therapies and veterans, it's a no-brainer. It just comes so easily. Um, so that's a little bit of the background there. I mean, that's fascinating. That's, those are, uh, I mean, I've known about equine therapy for a long time, uh, but I haven't mm-hmm. really thought about the aspects of the similarities between a horse and a veteran, as far as mm-hmm. like you touched on always on watch, having each other's back, being part of a herd, being part of a team, being part of a unit. Mm-hmm. That's a, that's awesome. That really, I've never thought about that. So um, mm-hmm. how, how long, well, let's go back to these living creatures with their own brains is, is what you call them kind of <laughs> rather, rather than interacting with the input output of a machine. Um, right. How how long have you had each one of your horses? So you've got two and a half horses, so two two full size and, <laughs> and a mini. Um, uh-huh. How long have you had them, and where did you get them? So I've only had them since last May. I had my my two full horses. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I got them. They're they're fifteen three, fifteen hands. Um, I got them last May first. One came from an amazing uh, rescue up in Maryland, Days and Farm Horse Rescue. The other one um, I got from a woman out here in Suffolk, and she rescued him from a, a rescue down in Florida. So those two are both rescues. My third one, the Mini, um, she came around in July or so, the end of July, and she came from Southern Hope Animal Rescue, uh, and they're in North Carolina. So had they done any type of therapy, equine therapy before, or is this, it, it, what, learning, what learning has to happen for the horse to be a, a participant in equine therapy? Right. So all of these guys were um, broke, as you would say, or trained uh, with ground manners. The two big guys work under saddle. Um, I do ride them from time to time. So they had manners. Um, the big guys are 
15 coming 16 years old, little one's five. And so although they have manners and they're very polite, and I went through, gosh, 50 horses before I chose these ones, and they were chosen for their um, temperament. Very, very, very calm. I would go up to a horse and I'd just jump around. I'd put a bag on them. I'd throw a tarp on them. You know, I needed to make sure that these guys would be not easily spooked, kind of like I've been there, I've seen it. Um, And so the most difficult part would be we got them in May. I started training them over the summer for our uh, September classes with wheelchairs. That's the trickiest part is just kind of understanding what a wheelchair is. Uh, A wheelchair makes noise. It beeps, um, not being alarmed by that and learning how to walk next to one uh, because there's no footsteps that they can't see the cadence like you would with a person. Um, Rather, it's just kind of a continual motion of the wheels moving. So learning to walk aside that because we've got, you know, half our participants come in wheelchairs. Learning that was a, a little tricky. Again, these guys picked it up in no problem, but maybe took me about three weeks of working with them with it, you know, every day here and there to feel comfortable with that. Um, wow. But other than that, I mean, they're pretty great. That's awesome. So mm-hmm. um, you've got your equine therapy background. At what point did you decide, okay, I've got this um, certification I want to start my own nonprofit that does this. And then what did you do to learn about starting the nonprofit as far as, you know, getting the board of directors, uh, you know, all the administrative stuff that you, that you do that comes along with being part of nonprofit. Yeah. Oh my gosh, John, we're winging it here. (laughs) Good to you. Um, so I volunteered, uh, contracted as an ESMHL at a program that was um, Horses Helping for a project, and that was out in Smithfield. They needed to kind of take a hiatus, and, you know, that program moved west, to, like, you know, the western region of Virginia. Um, but all of the participants obviously stayed here. Um, and so my husband and I just kind of had it on our hearts. Well, like, what do they do now? You know, those guys mm-hmm. get together every week. What do you mean? Like, that was their community. And so um, we really had it on our hearts and just kind of thought about it and prayed about it. And, you know, ultimately we had decided that our passions were only as good as our urgency. Um, and that's an Erwin McManus quote. And so for us, it was like, okay, we've got this thing on our heart and we know we want to do it. But, um, you know, we as people, society kind of, especially in 2019, 2020, right in this era that we're existing in, which is such an interesting time to be alive, <laughs> but um, kind of like we believe this facade that we have time, you know, like it's not the right time, but mm-hmm. it'll be time, maybe in a few years time, my, my five-year plan, my 10-year plan. And while those things are great, what I learned from 9-11 is you don't necessarily always have time. You know, I'm sure my dad went to work that day and maybe he had a, something to fix on his car and he thought, oh, I have time this weekend. You know, whatever it was, we have it. And, and I'm sure you as a, a veteran can understand that, you know, every day you're kind of risking, well, I hope I have tomorrow. Um, and so, you know, we just kind of said, well, we got we to gotta do it. If we've got this on our heart, you know, let's make it happen. So we sold our house. We had just bought it about nine months before. Oh my goodness! Uh, wow. Up, 
boatload of money in that <laughs> <laughs> I don't even want to tell you. Yeah, I want to ask. But, uh, um, bought this other property that had, you know, three and a half acres so that we could get our horses on its own day one. Um, it had nothing but a house so we built the barn, got the fence up, you know, we did all of it ourselves within two months time. Uh, bought the house in November, started the construction. We had decided in March, okay, let's do this thing. Let's actually start the program like now. I, you know, we were originally going to wait a year or two, but you know, we said, yeah, there's guys sitting out there without any community. So, so me, uh, can I stop you for a second? Mm -hmm. So, yep. How did this conversation with Kyle happen? So you're like, hey, <laughs> I know I'm volunteering with this group over here. They've moved west. I want to sell our house that we just bought and uh -huh. start a, start a oh, nonprofit. Yeah. <laughs> how did that happen? Oh my gosh, that man! He had again plans for his life, and when he met me, I just turned him <laughs> down. Let me tell you. That's so awesome. I mean, he's not a worse person. He was hardly like a you know. He, I had to convince him to get our dog, our first dog. <laughs> you know. Literally within two years, we went from one dog to two houses, three, you know, it's just insane. So um, thankfully, he really loves God and he really loves people. Um, and so for him, it was like, I trust you. Uh, and I also want to help other people. But Kyle, definitely the financial savvy one. Not that I'm not, but he's the one who's like, oh, we can't do that because it's not in budget. We, so <laughs> <laughs> to be like, hey, let's build a barn, which is not cheap and let's do all these things. It, it was it was an interesting conversation and we crunched some numbers and literally within about two hours, we went from, oh, we're definitely not doing it yet to we called the barn place and we put a, you know, a deposit down. Wow. It was really interesting. Well, you guys are a heck of a um, so team, for sure. It's, we're definitely uh, pragmatic and very effective, but it's really been us taking a step of faith here um, and believing that, hey, we're doing good here, and hopefully that doesn't hit us in the face. But, you know, I'm not going to lie to you. We had a good amount of people, um, very trusted people in our lives, which is good. Thankfully, we have these kind of people that go, I don't know if that's a good idea. You know, your yeah. heart's in a good place, but financially, you guys, I don't think so, you know. <laughs> um, and so we said, thank you. Uh, we're really going to take that into consideration. And we did it anyway. And I'm well, thankful that we did because it's been amazing. But it, it was an interesting conversation with Kyle, for sure. sure. Yeah, funny enough, I, I just posted on social media uh, earlier this week about um, what is courage. And, you know, courage is, is having yeah. a fear, but then doing something anyway. And I think what you guys yeah. did, that is a, a prime example of courage. I mean, you, you had all those people even point out what the risks were, you knew what could go wrong. And yet here you are, um, you know, a, a year later, not even a year later, you've got the, the organization set up, You've got the people who are attending your events. You're partnering with great organizations, um, Veterans Path, great organization. Um, anyway, you're, you're doing great things for, for many people. So I, I think it's awesome that you took that leap of faith. So um, going back to how many people uh, were with that organization that ended up going west, now you've kind of mm -hmm. taken the reins, uh, no pun intended, yep. but you've, you've started your own thing. Did uh yep. did you go to those same people and that and now they're part of your your group for Trails of Purpose or uh, or is there a mix? Yeah. Of what? 
participants, yeah. I mean, we got a couple volunteers. Uh, I think I think we had like two volunteers that stuck around with us that are amazing. Um, uh, but yeah, we had almost all of the participants transfer over, all that were um, you know physically capable of doing. So I had decided to come back. Um, and, and yeah, so we started. That was last March. Got our. We did all the administrative paperwork, which was just really going online. I did it all myself. I didn't, you know, looking back, it's not too bad when you go through the IRS, you know, like website and really go through it. So we got all that. We are 501c3, started up officially in August. Uh, we, we told all of our participants from the other program um, back in, it was last spring. Um, and they were so excited, John. Uh, oh, a couple of them were in, they were in tears, a couple of them. Just like this meant everything that they would have the group back together and that they would have this weekly kind of community thing, which was amazing. So I think we had, um, well, all in all for the entire season this year, we had on consistent basis 10 to 12 veterans per class um, participants. We do have volunteers who are also veterans so mm -hmm. that's how we get our large number of we have served 60 in the last um since september sure. um also with the va we have the partnership with the va in hampton they bring their inpatient their clc community living center they bring their guys out too um and so but yeah i would say there's probably about eight veterans that came over from the the previous horses helping heroes project from that center got it so you've got those folks that come over and mm -hmm. running through, you ran them through the fall season, as you mentioned. And then you've mm -hmm. also got, you've also got, I know because my wife volunteers with you guys, you've also got other mm -hmm. events. What are, what are some of those other events and who are they with? Um, in terms of kind of like fundraiser things or no, when, as, as far as uh, like partners, I think um, a, a few yep. weeks back you had um, the tap and you had um, yeah. the SEAL Foundation, Navy SEAL Foundation. So yep. uh, what's that all look like? So we had, um, I think it was six in total um, kind of working relationship formed. I told you about the VA. So every about once every five weeks, they come out to us. Um, and then we have TAPS, which is Tragedy Assistance Program for Survivors um, for Gold Star family members. They came out and had kind of like a barn evening. Um, we have a working relationship formed with the Navy SEAL Foundation. Unfortunately, our most recent event with them got canceled because of the weather. Um, but we will be working again with them, uh, hopefully in 2020 moving forward. Um, we had, we serviced the Fisher House in July. Um, Fisher House is kind of, a, it's an organization that are by, uh, it's by Portsmouth Naval Hospital. Um, amazing, amazing, amazing. Look them up online. And then... Um, I think that's kind of it right now. Like I said, we partnered with LZ Grace Warrior Foundation, Warrior Retreat and Foundation. Now that's in um, Virginia Beach, and that's where you and I, John, moving forward, will be kind of based out of for the 2020 season um, with our workshops and classes. Yeah. So it, it operates in, in kind of ebbs and flows. So we have the community classes, which happen weekly, um, and then 
once every five weeks or so we have the VA come out or we'll have a special event on a different day on a weekend or whatever um, with the Navy SEAL Foundation or, or whatnot. So we do throw in other things here and there aside from just our like community weekly class. Nice. So what's, uh, what's been the response to the work you're doing? Like when, when, a, when a veteran comes in, has never worked with a horse before, um, <clears throat> after a season, what is uh what's yeah. the difference that you're seeing? Yeah. So um I'll kind of tell you a story. Um I'm not gonna name names or anything like that just because sure, I try to keep that confidential. So yeah. if I sound vague, it's uh <laughs> purposeful. <laughs> so um we had a veteran who came around. Um she she is a female veteran, uh and so she struggles um a bit with anxiety, uh, you know, a good amount with anxiety with um, trust and, you know, kind of self-confidence. And so she was having a very difficult time plugging in, finding any type of community. Um, she's still um, in the military. And so just kind of having a rough time. She's been, she had confided in me that she was having a difficult time getting an answer or really getting through with the VA. The VA um, has such long wait times and that's not necessarily all their fault we're so quick to point a picture of finger at the va but um it's hard to make blanket statements and rules and regulations for such masses i um, mean that's kind of just the issue is in our area um there's one va and we have uh, what is the statistic i could be totally off but i think last time i checked between active and veteran it's like four hundred thousand in our area um and so it's just hard to keep up. And so she was just really having a hard time. Comes to us on the first class and, um, you know, was like, I almost didn't come. Just kind of driving here, had a lot of anxiety even just coming to the program. Um, and then she's got to come in and meet all these, these other veterans. Um, and so that was pretty difficult for her and she was kind of a little more reserved obviously rightfully so I mean I guess you know John you understand it's kind of natural when you go into a new environment with new people that probably already know each other a little you know anxiety provoking for anybody sure um and more so for her and so uh the first class she didn't even want to really work with horses she had a little bit of an anxiety kind of situation and I wouldn't necessarily say an attack but you know really almost left, wasn't comfortable. I said, you know, why don't you just come sit down with our mini horse? Why don't you just pet her and just be here? You can observe, put you off to the side. Um, and you can be with, I put her with one of our volunteers in particular, who's really just amazing at, at slow talking and kind of bringing her back down. And so um, that was the first class and she made it through. She stuck around. She had lunch with us. She stayed the full time. Uh, and she kept coming back. And I remember thinking, oh, gosh, I hope we didn't scare her off. You know, I hope we were able to service her in the right way. You know, you're always going to wonder, did I, did I handle that properly? Of course. Um, and so she comes back the next week. And she comes go. back the week after and the week after. And we hosted a fall fundraiser at um, a brewery locally here. And she came out there. Because uh, we brought the mini horse with us there. She came out and she stayed the entire time um, and just held and pet the mini horse for us. Uh, and it was like, it was just such a big deal because she went from like, I don't really like going out of my comfort zone to like willingly doing so. She, by the end of our session, I mean, 
she's a social butterfly. She goes up to all our other guys. How you doing? What can I get you? You know, she's really funny. She's like, did you make your doctor's appointment? She goes up to other (laughs) veterans. Did you call that person yet? You know, like really all of a sudden kind of a more assertive person and just blossom. And she sent me an email and I'll never forget this. And just saying, you know, it's amazing what that little horse did for me, you know? And so Olive, our mini horse, did she really do anything profound for her or a veteran? No, she didn't. She was just there. But being in community and giving that her a space to be that is safe, that is quiet, that is outdoors, um, that has consistency and community, and we have meals together every week, that's what changed it. Um, and so she said in her email, it changed my life. Uh, and if that can happen in six weeks, you know, I, I just, I have so much hope for this program and what it's doing. And I'm just That's outstanding. mind blown. I mean, so in terms you guys, of. You guys are doing great work. You guys are definitely doing something right. I mean, if she changed that quickly in six weeks and then kept coming back for more and then was able to come to the, the brewery for that fundraising event and, and just kind of be part of the event, but also be part of the, the group, the crowd, the community. Uh, without that anxiety, you guys are you guys are definitely doing something right. So good on you guys. Right. So, and I mean, that's the purpose, right? Really quick to interject there is, you know, no. we're trails of purpose. That's the purpose. The purpose isn't the horses. The purpose is the people that you come with. And so that's what sets us a little bit apart from other equine facilities is that like our goal for you is to find purpose in community. I know that's what you need in order to fight the effects of trauma. We partner with horses to do so, but the end goal is for the community and, and the purpose that it is built in you. Right. But that's just kind of a little bit. That's so just a part of it. The horses are, yeah. are part of the much bigger picture for, for trails. Absolutely. I love it. Yep. So how are you guys funded and what can listeners do to support trails of purpose? Yep. So we operate completely free of charge to every veteran and veteran family member that comes here. Uh, all you need is a participant form and a DD-214 um, in order to enroll in our classes. We operate 100% based on donations. Um, obviously, all of our stuff is taxed. All donations made to us are tax deductible with the IRS with the 501c3. Um, so whether it's you're donating a meal, you know, because we make them meals every week. So if you can donate a meal to us, come cook a meal or, you know, pick up a meal and donate it to us. Or, you know, donate horse supplies because, you know, it's not like pay for the horses. Donate your time. <laughs> yeah. uh, donate actual liquid finances. If you can do that, amazing. Um, you know, nobody right now, nobody takes a salary. Um, we're an all-volunteer organization. So I say that not to kind of be like, oh, look at what we're doing, but more so like all of the money that you're giving to us is going right to our mission, going right go. to the purpose. Um, so we're on every platform for donations. We are on um, PayPal. We're on, you know, Facebook. You can do- donate through us. I think you could donate through like Instagram now these days. You could donate every way. And then there's also on our website, uh, com uh, slash partner with us is um, on our website too. So, you know, we're kind of everywhere. Perfect. And, and that, that kind of lays the foundation for, for this really awesome series of announcements that I, I wanted to put out. So I'm going to go ahead and stop here for a second and, and really make this special announcement. So first off, next month, 
for the entire month of February for the Norfolk, Richmond, and Fairfax locations of the Texas to Brazil Steakhouse, that, those restaurants, guests can write in a donation at the bottom of the receipt. It's that easy. They can just write in the donation at the bottom of the receipt. And that money is going to go directly to Trails of Purpose and Veterans Path. We partnered up together, the two nonprofits working together, um, but we're also partnered up for fundraising. And then Texas to Brazil has offered this amazing opportunity to us. So that money is going to go directly to Trails of Purpose and Veterans Path. And then the guests, for every $5 donated, you receive $5 off your next meal. And that's good for the entire month of February for the Richmond, Fairfax, and Norfolk locations. So go get some amazing food and donate to two great causes at the bottom of your receipts. And then on top of that, Texas to Brazil is allowing us to host a dinner at the Norfolk location on February 20th at 6 p.m. At that dinner, we'll be joined by combat wounded Navy SEAL Jay Redman. Jay, he survived after being shot eight times on the battlefield, and he's written multiple books. His latest one, Overcome, um, his books are on resilience and overcoming, and his latest one is called Overcome. If you sign up for the dinner via the link, in the podcast information panel, the entire cost of your meal will be donated directly to Trails of Purpose and Veterans Path. Um, and Jay Redman is going to be joining us for that. Then last but not least, after dinner, that same evening, February 20th, here in Norfolk, at the awesome Percolator co-working space, which is just across the street from Texas to Brazil, Jay, uh, he will also join us for a talk on overcoming while he sells and signs books. Again, if you sign up for that via a separate link, but that will also be in the podcast notes, 100% of the cost of your ticket goes to Trails of Purpose and Veterans Path, and one half of the proceeds from Jay's book sales will also go to our organization. He's been gracious enough to make that offer. So please, 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 if you go to a local, local Texas to Brazil in February, Thank, first, thank them for their incredible support to our organizations and many other others, and then donate at the bottom of the receipt. And then, if you're able and you're local, please attend the dinner and, and talk on February 20th. Sign up, show up, enjoy dinner, enjoy meeting and hearing from Jay, and then just having an awesome evening. So we are very thankful to Texas Brazil for their support and donations. We're very thankful to Percolator for hosting uh, the talk and the book signing afterwards and for donating their time and space. And lastly, but certainly not least, we are so very thankful to Mr. Jay Redman for his service on the battlefield and his donating of his time to our organization. That was a mouthful. Sorry about that, but <laughs> we've got some awesome stuff coming up and it just sound, seemed like a great segue when we were talking about how you guys are funded. So, Kayla, what else do you want our audience to know about you or Trails of Purpose? I think we covered a ton. Uh, the one thing I would say is we do still have a few spots open for enrollment for uh, spring season. Uh, so that's starting up in March. Uh, we're going to run that until the end of June, and then we'll kind of segue into our summer season, which is 
July um, through, you know, September, and then we'll have the fall season. Uh, and veterans can continue to come back to our program if they want to keep cycling through. <clears throat> Excuse me. But uh, if you are a veteran who is interested or you have a loved one who is interested, please, 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 again, we're 100% free to all participants. We just want to be able to um, kind of welcome as many as we can in during each season. So a few more spots open for the Virginia Beach location, which again is at LV Grace Warrior Retreat Foundation uh, out in uh, Pungo area, which is just absolutely amazing. So that's the only piece we didn't talk about. Uh, email info at trailsofpurpose.com. Or again, our website, uh, trailsofpurpose.com, is totally up to date with all of our information. So just check that out. Other than that, I think we touched on everything, John. Well, excellent. And, and you actually covered my next question was how people could get in contact with you. So you're obviously on social <laughs> media that we've covered. And now you've just given us yep. your, your website, uh, or sorry, your email, so people can uh, contact you that way. So awesome, yes. Kayla. It's, it's been great having you on the show. It's always a pleasure to, to hang out and and we at Veterans Path are super excited to be partners with y'all. So it's a, it's a bright looking future. I'm, I'm excited. Oh, yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me, John. Yeah, <clears> this opportunity has been just really great. Awesome. Well, for our listeners, thank you for listening to our show. Please check out Veterans Path online at veteranspath.org. We, too, are on social media. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Pinterest, Twitter, and YouTube. And if you're enjoying our podcast, I ask that you please subscribe, rate, review, and maybe even share us with some of your friends and family. And, and remember, you can directly support Veterans Path by clicking on the support button on the podcast or by visiting veteranspath.org forward slash donate. Thank you all and have a blessed day. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Veterans Path Podcast. Please follow us on social media and think about sharing your story with us there and potentially on the show. Together, we can make mental health a priority, improving and saving lives 24-7.